The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you? that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave... Throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. Do you have anything that falls into the category of it's too nice to use? Author Mike Wiking shares a quick story about a man who complimented another man's watch. The one man says, that is a really nice watch you have on. And the one wearing the watch says, oh, if you like this watch, you should see the one I don't wear. The joke being that our very best things, the items that we treasure the most, are often the things we never use. Sometimes our instinct is to keep them tucked away safe, but unused. Maybe you have something in your life like this, like the really good plates that you registered for when you first got married, or a piece of precious jewelry from a loved one who has passed, or a fragile keepsake from a 
vacation that's kept tucked away out of the clumsy hands of toddlers. Now, I have an example of this, and I know it's going to sound small, but when I was in grad school living off of tiny stipends, the height of luxury to me was a box of Girl Scout cookies, sold only once a year at a hefty $5 a box. That is something to, worth holding on to and savoring. I didn't want to eat them all at once. I wanted to hold on to them. But that instinct backfired because by the time I got around to eating some of those last cookies, they were so stale, they weren't really good anymore. Side note, if you are going to try to make your Girl Scout cookies last until the next cookie season, you really ought to bury them in your freezer and not your pantry. But the point is that when we bury our treasure, we miss out. When we bury the treasure, that treasure doesn't get to fulfill its purpose. The plates that were meant to hold hundreds of delicious dinners, the jewelry meant to be worn and seen and bring back memories of that loved one, the cookies meant to be gobbled up when they are at their most delicious, all of it meant to bring joy or at least a little bit of happiness, not sit on a shelf gathering dust for fear of getting broken or running out. Now, in our gospel lesson this morning, we heard a parable about how different people respond when they are trusted with a large sum of money. And whenever we read a text like this, it's, good, it's worth taking a moment and realizing that this text comes to us from a very different time and place. This Master-slave language is painful and difficult to connect with because of our context and our country's shameful history of slavery. But one thing that this language does is highlight the dramatic difference in power and wealth and social position between the giver and the people who receive in the beginning of the story. Now, I don't think the main purpose of this parable is to tell us to look for the best investment opportunities or that somehow growing wealth just for the sake of growing wealth is a good thing. Parables are meant to teach us a little something about the kingdom of heaven. So what are we learning about the kingdom of God? What does this story say to us today? In the parable, each servant receives a number of talents, whether it's five talents or two talents or just one. And a talent is a lot of money. It's 6,000 denarii, which is about 20 years' wages of ordinary labor. So can you imagine receiving 100 years' wages or 40 years' wages or 20 years of wages just being handed over to you and in your care, how would you decide what to do with it? So this story starts with abundance. The master is an abundant giver, trusting and confident with faith in the servants, allowing them to hold on to and to use this money for a long time before the master returns. 
Now, the first two servants use the talents. They live into this abundance that is being offered. And it seems that the more they use the talents, the more talents they have. The whole time the master is away, they get to enjoy the abundance they've been given. And when the master returns, they are invited to share the joy of the master, which means more abundance, more generosity. That master-slave distinction that we started with, it becomes something different. They're invited to share with the master, which reveals how in some ways they had been sharing in that joy all along. But now that last servant, that last servant takes this abundant gift and acts in fear. It's too generous. It's too much. The servant believes that the master is unkind and unfair, so they take this abundant gift and bury it. They keep it safe, but unused. That 20 years of wages is no good in the ground. No one benefits from this buried talent. The servant does not get to live into the abundance while the master is away. And that last servant doesn't get to share in the master's joy when the master returns. Now this parable isn't meant to make us fearful, beware of that outer darkness. It's meant to warn against fear. If, we, if, if fear is what we imagine, if we imagine God is angry and harsh, then we live with that fear. We live in that fear. And we miss out on all the joy that's being offered. We miss out on the abundant life of following Jesus. But if grace is what we imagine, if we worship a God of love and abundance, of healing and forgiveness, then we get to share in that grace. We get to live in that joy our entire lives. We live in a way that shows others God's love. Now, each one of our scripture texts this morning points to a future when Jesus returns. An unexpected time when the Lord comes. But how do we live as we wait? Do we live in fear of this day, fearing a judgmental God? Or do we live in hope for this day, trusting that God is loving and just? Everything we have, We have been given. Absolutely everything we own, everything we love, every relationship where we experience love is a gift. But the most abundant, extravagant gift we have is the gift of the gospel. The extraordinary news that the creator of the universe loves each and every one of us. This gift is so big that it's natural to question it sometimes, to doubt that it can be true. How can God love me so much? To fear that it might not be as simple as God loves everyone. To wonder that if we try to share this gift, will others 
reject it. So maybe our instinct is to hold on to it and to keep it safe from harm, tucked away. But we're told over and over again in Scripture to not be afraid. This good news is too good to bury. It's too good not to share. Our world is filled with people who are living in fear, whose actions are motivated by fear. Fear of the other, fear of the stranger, fear that there isn't enough to go around. But we don't have to live that way. We can be people who live out God's abundant love, proclaiming love of the neighbor and welcome to the stranger, knowing that there is enough for everyone's need. And the more we live this way, the more that love can grow. It's like the talents. The more they're used, the more they multiply. Like I'm sure you learned during your month of giving, that the more you gave, the more it seemed you had to give. So this isn't a gift to tuck away, to store out of reach. It's our greatest treasure, but it is also our daily bread. It's meant to have a place on our table to be worn each and every day, to be consumed and experienced. And in doing so, we can live abundantly. We can learn to love more fully and more deeply. We can be free of fear. And we can share in God's joy. Amen.